Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. You may be seated. God bless you. And uh, thank you, ushers, ball boys, and uh, everybody else. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be fine. Thanks. Uh, didn't they do a great job this morning? Wonderful. Yes, uh, we, it must be a long time since we've been in this church. Uh, you're opening? My Lord, it's that long ago. Well, it's such a beautiful church, but uh, that's a reflection of the kind of people who built it, right? And uh, you have a great building, and, uh, and the people are a reflection of their leader. And so your leaders, Pastor Mel and Paul, doing such a fabulous job. We love them with all our heart. Always been proud to be associated with them and all that they're doing here in uh, Canberra and have been so faithful and solid and strong, always reliable and uh, uh, what we would call uh, high-producing, low-maintenance people and uh, just the best on earth, absolutely, and good friends with a lot of our main team members uh, throughout the years, which has been fantastic. It's so good to see you here this morning um, in the early service. You're obviously the, uh, the dedicated crew, the, 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 the serious crew. And uh, they told me that all the good-looking ones come to this service too. So, and that's obvious. And yeah, so uh, it is delightful to see you all and uh, to, to be in church on Sunday morning in Canberra. Now, I went for a walk this morning in the pitch black, uh, dark, uh, we are staying in the, uh, the Hyatt Hotel and w- walked out the back there through the Chinese gardens, I think. And I didn't see much of them because it was pitch black. Even when I came back, it was still black, still dark. But I w- walked all the way down to past all the Australians of the year. And that was fabulous. Could only just see some of them. Dawn Fraser, Bradman, and uh, all these names all along. Amazing how many sports people were there as, uh, as Australian of the Year. So obviously, if you want to get to be an Australian of the Year, you've got to be doing squash or soccer or tennis or something. But no, there were some others there that were great. And it's just wonderful to be in the capital city remembering the great things about Australia and uh, about all the, the great things that make us Australians here. We've been in America for a little while. And there are great things that make America, America too. And they get forgotten in all the, the negative news stuff often. And uh, there are just wonderful Christian foundations that have built this nation and made it what it is. And even though there might be a lot of complaining about a lot of things, I think we are well served to remember exactly why we're here, building the church so that we can be a positive influence on the community, not reflecting negatives back, not arguing on book and putting out all of our opinions about this, that, and a thousand other conspiracies. And uh, I believe we're here to build Jesus, build the church, and exalt Him. Amen? So let's do that together, and I'm sure that we'll uh, all be doing just fine. Look, uh, they've only given me three minutes, so I better get going pretty quickly here. No, I, uh, I'll, be, I'll be here for another 20 minutes at least. Look, uh, I want to uh, just... Uh, before I get underway with this message, uh, there are a couple things that over the last two years of COVID, I felt uh, I wanted to say that I were on my heart, 
And the first one was uh, that message I'll be getting to very soon. But uh, first of all, if I could just, uh, uh, yeah, you got some books there. Yeah, so, um, so I wrote a couple of books over the last two years. And the first one was Do It Now, because I, that, that's it there. And uh, that was because I, I listened to a lot of people who were saying, when this is all over, then I will do this. And I thought, Man, you never want to wait for perfect conditions because you're never going to get anything done. And that's a scripture. It says if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And, and so if you wait until you've got enough money to buy a house so that you can propose to her, what are you doing? Uh, if you're waiting for that perfect circumstance before you uh, just step out, you, you're always going to find there's an element of risk in what God calls you to do. And so that book was about do it now. Plus, I just live by that as a principle. Like if you ask me to pray for your mother, I'll say, yeah, let's do it now. Because if I, if, if I say, oh, yeah, I'll do it later on, I'll forget. Right? Like you have. Many times you said, yeah, I'll do it later on. If I get a bill, I pay it then. As long as I can, I just pay, pay as much as I can straight away. And uh, when I get an assignment, I do it then. And that way you're always living unstressed. You don't have to take pills to get rid of stress, just get organized, and uh, you'll find that you, you lose a lot of stress just by being ahead of the game. While everybody else is stressing before they have to hand in the assignment, you're good. You're doing the next one, and uh, you're, you're, you're ahead of the game, so it's good. The second book I wrote uh, was, and these, these are only like that, the digital books. You can only download them off uh, Amazon or philpringle.com. Uh, the other m- book I wrote, which I feel is a message that's a bigger one even for right now, is Disciple. Uh, and that book there. Now, on the front of that is one of my paintings. I, I do a bit of painting uh, every now and then. I, I submitted that to the Archibald, uh, New South Wales Archibald competition. You know that? Yeah. I didn't win, people. Uh, <laughs> hey. I didn't even get hung. And uh, <laughs> so I said, what do they know about art? You know, I'm going to put it on the front of my book. So <laughs> there it is on the front of a book called Disciple. And it's about uh, being a follower of Jesus and making sure that you are a follower of Christ uh, no matter what happens in the world, no matter... Uh, you know, whether there are scandals, no matter whether there are uh, COVID problems about going to church and you can't make it to church, uh, whatever the challenge is, you still follow Jesus. So that we're not churchians uh, following churchianity, we're Christians following Christ, we're disciples of His. Um, that doesn't mean that I, I diminish in any way the gathering of the church together. We've got to get together. It's a high, high priority. The church is the church when it's gathered. But it doesn't mean that that's the beginning and ending of my Christian life. I don't need the church to make my Christian life work. Uh, The church needs my Christian life to work. And so I am here to serve, not just to take. It's it's not a hotel, it's a house where I've got a personal um, responsibility. I mean, you go to a hotel, they're all serving you. Uh, but when you come into a house, people say, hey, you do the dishes, will you? You, you fix up that. And, 
And so, uh, which I've never been told that at a hotel yet, and unless I refuse to pay the bill. <laughs> Out the back, son, do the dishes. But uh, it, is, it is an interesting thing that when you start to understand the calling that, that's on every one of us is to be a disciple, a follower of Christ that uh, is going to live right and, uh, and get right when we've gotten wrong and continue in the path of following, following Jesus with disciplines. So that's, that's a couple of those books. There are some other books of mine out there for those of you who really like having a paper book in your hand. Um, I've written about 25 books, and this was the first one on faith uh, that, man, it's an old photo too, uh, but, it's a, but it's the, the, the principles in there are a lot about what I would believe you and I should live by faith. It's how this building got built, by the faith of the people who stepped out and who built it and planned it and said, let's take a risk, and those who, who sacrificed in their giving, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's this one, Letters to the Next Generation, Freedom, that's about how to get demons out, and, uh, and if you've got any. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's like getting rid of cockroaches out of your house, right? It's, uh, you, and, and this book, Hope, Finally You Can Buy Hope. And this will help you have a positive view about the future. And these, these are basically scripture that uh, I've packaged up into those topics. Today, this, this is what I'm preaching on. The great return is what you'd call an exposition of a psalm, uh, which is Psalm 126. Now, some of you have been through Bible college, right? You've been through C3 college. And uh, can I see your hands if you have? Yeah. And uh, it, you would have seen me on a screen every now and then and amongst a bunch of other people. And this, this psalm uh, is, is a, a, an important part of a big part of Scripture where the whole of Israel had been, had been transported out of Jerusalem around the world, but mostly to Babylon. And they had been taken down there for 70 years, and now they were coming back. As they came back, they wrote, they wrote songs to sing. It was a four-month journey, and as they're walking, thousands of them, they sang these songs, the Psalms of Ascents on the way back to Jerusalem. So let's, let's read the psalm first off and then uh, come to what we're talking about here today, the great return. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like them who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. Amen. Lord, bless this word here today to our hearts in Jesus' name. And I proclaim over you and your family and your world restoration, recovery, rebuilding, in Jesus' mighty name. You will find all through Scripture that God is a restorer. Whatever people have lost, they get back. When they get back to God, He gets back to them whatever it was they lost. So these guys are saying, bring back when the Lord brought back, when He restored the captives of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. 
So when you think through all of the, the things that God has restored through Scripture, when people lost, in fact, Joel says, he says that the Lord will restore to you the years that the worm has eaten, that the canker worm has eaten. Now, for some of us, the two years of COVID didn't mean much at all. For some people, they lost their jobs. Many in the hospitality industry, restaurant industry, they lost all sorts of things. I know marriages that fell apart because once people got isolated and locked up in the same house together, they, whatever cracks were there became gaping chasms and suddenly domestic violence rose by 80% in Australia. Unbelievable in those years. So, so whatever got lost in those years... God says, I will return. I will recover to you. But I believe it also applies to us in just getting back into the rhythms of church life. Because during COVID, we lost the rhythm of church life. And for a lot of people, that meant they lost their spiritual walk. But once we get back into that rhythm of committed Christian living in church life, and if we've lost any of it at all, but we revive those practices of being in the house of God. We're going to find ourselves getting back anything that we've found slipping out of our lives. Let me, let me take you through a couple of people in the Old, in the Old Testament or in, in the Bible who actually got restored. I don't know if you remember the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal son got his inheritance prematurely, which is not a great idea because it's like giving a child, a five-year-old, the keys to your BMW. Because he just, he just got carried away with it, boom, took off, partied hard, lost all his money until he's in a pig pen. Then he comes to his senses and he says, I need to get back to the house. And he knew that if he got back to the house, he'd get back to his father. Because his father never left the house. His father just waited and waited and waited. And I would think that his father had faith that he was going to come back. So he kept growing calves. And when the calf became a cow, he'd say, bring me another calf. We've got to have a calf ready for when the son comes home so that we can kill the fatted calf and have a party. And so how many calves became cows before that boy came home? But the father kept one on hand ready for the son to return. So the son's coming home and he is anticipating judgment. He is anticipating the father's going to pull out his shotgun, boom, blow him off the property because he's running at him. He's thinking, here comes dad, his turbans flying, cloaks flying. He's just going to go, get off my property, you kid. What do you think you're doing wrecking all my, my, my reputation? You've been down there with the pigs. Nothing like that. His arms are wide open, no shotgun. And he says, welcome home, son. Immediately puts on his, his ring, the, the ring on his finger, which is like a black Amex, he can go anywhere, buy a car, rent a house, do whatever. Gives him the VIP robes, gives him the best sandals, gives him, just restores all that he lost immediately. God is a restorer of what we have lost in life. It is coming back in Jesus' name. How about Naomi in the Old Testament? I'll just give you, I could, you know, there are so many stories. Job, who lost everything, got it back double at the end of his life. But, but how about Naomi? If, if you've ever read, read, read the book called Ruth, in the Old Testament, you'll read about Naomi. It's more about Naomi than it is about Ruth. 
Now, Naomi, for some reason, married an idiot. <laughs> I don't know why, but, but listen, listen to me. Your spouse is in the house. She married somebody who didn't really have much of a heart for church, didn't really care too much about the house. They lived in a place called Bethlehem Judah, which means house of bread and praise. And so when it got tough in the house of bread and praise, when there was a drought in the house, they decided, or Elimelech, her husband, decided, let's go down to Moab. It's better down there. So they leave the house of bread and praise, takes his wife and their two children, two boys. The boys are called Marlon and Chilion. I don't know if you've ever studied what those names mean. One means pining, the other means sick. I don't know why you'd name your kids pining and sick. This one looks a little pale. Let's call him pining. This one, look, he looks really weak. Let's call him sick. And so these, these two boys, they're down in, in Moab, Moab, and they decide that they are going to marry local girls, uh, Ruth and Orpah. So they, they get married, but then the father dies. Elimelech dies in the land of Moab. Then... Marlon and Chilion die in the land of Moab. All the boys are dead. Naomi says, I'm over this. this is, I need to get back to the house of bread and praise. So she says, I'm going back. Ruth says, I'm coming with you. There was a little disagreement about that, but finally Ruth persuades us. She comes back. As soon as they get back into town, Boaz, the richest guy in town, sees Ruth and says, whoa, yes, sir, I'm going to marry that girl. And, and he does. He does. He ends up marrying her. And in, Naomi gets everything restored back to her that she had lost. Everything that had gone out of her world comes back to her, her land, the profits off her land, and Boaz, the wealthiest guy. Plus, Ruth now becomes part of the line that brings not only King David into the world, but Jesus himself. So it becomes an amazing story of restoration. God wants to bring back to you anything you've lost. Once you have given your will back to Him, He brings your will back to you. And that's what God is. He is, he is amazing at, at actually making good what was wrong when we actually put our hearts right in the hand of God. Now, I need you to, I know it's, I know it's like early in the morning. But, but you can, your brains are working, right? Because you've had coffee. I just want to take you through a little scenario uh, that this psalm is talking about as they are coming back and they know that God is a restorer because He's restored the fortunes of Zion. Way back uh, in the, like say, before the 70 years before the psalm was, was written, the Israelites had, over a period of time, they'd, come right, they'd gone wrong. They'd come right, they'd gone wrong. They'd come right, they'd gone wrong. Okay, over a long period of time, finally the Lord says, hey guys, now you really need to just be taken out of the land for 70 years and then I'll bring you back. So they find themselves being ejected from the land. Nebuchadnezzar comes down and he ruins Jerusalem, steals all the goods and the things out of the temple, and he takes the best of the young men. Now, now those young men, uh, four of them we know, one of them's Daniel. 
the other who gets renamed Belteshazzar, the other three are Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and we read about them down in the book of Daniel when they won't bow down. And, and so they're down there. Now, when Jeremiah was prophesying to Jerusalem, hey, you guys, God's going to come, you're going to be defeated, and you're going to go to a foreign land for 70 years. Well, none of them wanted to believe Jeremiah, so they tried to kill him. They said, that's a very negative message you've got for us. He's, he said, yeah, but, but, but if you go with it, you're going to be okay. God's going to look after you down there. You're going to become very wealthy. You're going to have beautiful houses, etc., etc. So, but, but they still didn't want to believe that they could get taken, but they did. So they're down there, and Daniel is reading. It says in the book of Daniel that he was reading the prophecies of Jeremiah, and he's reading how that after 70 years, they're going to be taken back. Now, while Jeremiah has been in Babylon, there's been four different kings, okay? He's been there 70 years. So one, the, he got down there with Nebuchadnezzar, but finally then Darius and then Artaxerxes. Now, now you've got uh, this, this king, uh, Cyrus, and this is the fourth king, Cyrus the Persian. And so I'm st- you're still with me, aren't you? You know, yeah. Okay, so you don't, they're not like Queen Elizabeth, these kings. They only last, you know, 10 or 20 years. So, so they're four kings, and he has been, Daniel is such a good counselor and advisor. He has stayed as virtually the prime minister of the land under each of these despots who have conquered the other as they've taken over the land. So now, Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah and he says, 70 years. Looks at his calendar, says, whoa, 70 years is nearly up. So he says, I better start praying for the will of God to come to pass. Understand, a prophecy is a possibility. It's not always a guarantee. So he needed to pray that prophecy into being. Okay, he needed to make sure that the, understand that just because something is the will of God doesn't mean it's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's kind of hard for us to understand, but He's given dominion of the earth to us. So we pray, Thy will be done, because, because it won't get done without us getting involved in making it come to pass. And so He empowers us to make the will of God happen in the earth. The will of God is that none would perish in all the earth, and yet millions already have. But it's not the will of God that that happens. So all I'm saying, when we know what the prophecy is, when we know what the will of God is, it is for us to actually implement and serve that and make it come to pass in the earth. And so, you, so here's Daniel praying for the will of God to happen. He doesn't say, oh, that's going to happen. I'll just hang around, wait for it. He says, I'm going to pray for it to come to pass. All right. So then he probably... It's conjecture. It's not in Scripture. But he probably shows Cyrus the Scripture. Then he probably shows another Scripture from Isaiah's prophecy. Now, this is incredible because Isaiah prophesied also 150 years before this happened. He prophesied there will be a king called Cyrus, and he will send my people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And so King Cyrus sees this, and the conjecture is that Daniel showed him. But anyway, he sees it somehow, and he goes, what? There's my name. This guy knew me before I was born. He prophesied about me. What do I do? I send the people back. 
And, and, and in, the, in the prophecy, it said, I, the Lord, have given you this nation, this nation, this nation, this nation, because he was a great conqueror, Cyrus. And so as an act of thanksgiving, he felt gratitude to God who had helped them do all this. He said, I want all the Jewish people to go back, rebuild the temple. It'll all be at the king's expense. They'll have the protection of, of the king's guard and they'll go back now. And so they're all saying, whoa, God's word comes to pass. It actually happens. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. God restores what we have lost. He will bring back years that the canker worm has eaten. Finances, relationships, everything. I declare it over you today. Restoration, rebuilding, and recharging in Jesus' name. All right. So let me say this. There's another part of this about restoration that is really important. My Lord, He talks too much, doesn't He? Amen. I'm looking at your time here. All right. So here's, the, and I'll get through the rest of the psalm quickly because I'm only through the first half of the first sentence of this psalm. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. Okay, so listen, this is important. Part of coming back is getting spiritually recharged, spiritually renewed, spiritually revived. And so I need to plug in and press, press the update button. Because as we move out of a COVID era, if you like, into this new day, God has got updates for your system, your operating system. Now, I love, I love it when I see that on my computer, you know, blah, 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 updates available. I go, yes. And it says, have you read everything and do you agree? Yes. <laughs> How often do we do that? Have you read everything? And, oh, yes. And then, and then so, it, it's, and then you look at what, and you think, what is it going to do? It says faster performance, yeah, higher performance. And, and uh, it's going to get rid of all your bugs. Whoa, yeah, optimize operating system. And, and then it says, do not unplug while we're updating, because you see the little wheel, okay? So you're in the presence of the Lord, and every time you're in there, you're going to get upgrades, not just going to get restored what you lost, restore your system, your backup, everything that you lost when you crashed, but now you're actually going to get a new, a whole new operating system, an upgrade to the way that you're going to be doing your believer's life as a believer, as we move into the future, as we move into the future as churches, I believe there'll be new ways for every one of us to do this, what, whatever God has called us to do. And to, for that to happen, it says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. When you're in captivity, you don't dream. You're just surviving. You don't dream about a future because somebody else is controlling your life. But as soon as you're free and you're in a new day, you start to dream about the future. You start to think, we could do that. We could buy that. We could step out and do that because now the possibilities are they're endless. And they're thinking, we're going back to Zion. I could buy that farm. I could put those sheep out there. I can get some cows. I can get some goats. I can grow some corn. They're starting to dream again about their future. Never underestimate the power of your dream because the, what you're thinking about your future in here is what you're going to walk into in the future. 
And you can reshape your future by reshaping your thinking. Many of us find ourselves hijacked in our mind with negative thoughts about the future because fear comes easily. It comes uninvited. It crashes in through the door. But positive thoughts only come by invitation. You got to actually switch it on and say, I'm going to dream that dream. I'm going to see myself blessed, walking in victory in Jesus' name. Amen. And then it says, I'm just going to get quickly to through, through the rest of this if I can. Then he says, then was our mouths filled with laughter. Never underestimate the power of laughter. Wow. Laughter is, is, is like a medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. And, and when, you laugh, when you're a kid, you laugh 300 times a day. As an adult, you laugh 17 times a day. What happens to us? If I don't feel like laughing, sometimes I just get myself started. <laughs> if you prime yourself, you might actually find you get a real one. <laughs> Somehow, I'm going to laugh at the future. This says about the woman of, of Proverbs 31. She smiles at the future. She laughs at the problems because you got God on your side and somehow you are going to make it through whatever you're facing. You can start to laugh about it in the name of Jesus. We're going to be finishing in about three minutes. So if I could have the band, you can come up. In verse, verse three, it says, the Lord has done amazing things for us. A pagan idol worshiping king commanded the rebuilding of the temple of the Almighty God. That's amazing. And then they said, bring back our captivity as the streams of the south. When, when it was winter and snow was on the mountains, the riverbeds dried up. They were just dry, stony gouges in the land. When, when the sun started to shine and the snow started to melt, those riverbeds would be flooded, not just slowly, but quickly, like flash flooding. And when we read in Scripture what the streams actually are, in Isaiah, he says, streams of people will come like rivers into the house of God. They will come to hear the word of the Lord. And I'm believing that in this hour, in this day, we're going to see increasing numbers of people flowing like rivers into the house of God. The final words of this psalm say, when we've sown in tears, we're going to reap in joy. Whatever you have been faithful in, sowing, you've kept on coming to the house of God. Look at you, you're still here. You're strong, you're powerful, you've kept giving, you've kept tithing, you've kept sowing into the future. This psalm says, doubtless, without a doubt, you will come again with rejoicing. Without a doubt, you, you haven't lost anything. You haven't given away anything to God that won't come back to you with sheaves of blessing, like a mighty harvest in your hands. And you're going to find yourself overwhelmed with the abundance and the blessings of heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And I'm praying for every single one of us here today that we'd find ourselves as disciples of Christ to be filled with that blessing, filled to overflowing with His restorative power, with His healing power, with His strengthening power, 
in the name of Jesus. While we're just sitting here in these last few seconds of this service, I'm wondering if there's anybody here who's been away from the Lord and it's time to come back. Or maybe you've never actually asked Jesus into your life, but you want to do that today. If you've never prayed that prayer, saying, Lord, come into my heart. Or if you've been away from God and you need to come back, then right now, right here, I want you to do that. In the next couple of moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And so if that's you, you've been, a, been away from God or you're just making for the very first time a decision to ask Christ to come into your life, would you put your hand up for me? Put your hand up real high and I'll acknowledge it and we'll pray for you before we finish. Can I ask everybody to stand right now? I want you to reach out to God. And if you are feeling like, I need a recharge, I need a revival. I know that on Tuesday night, we're having a meeting like that. I'm not sure where it is. Where is the meeting on Tuesday night? Belconnen. Amen. Is that Nick Hines? Yeah, Nick Hines. Yeah. We're having... I think he called it a presence meeting. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for your presence, your spirit to recharge us, revive us, help us switch it on, help us move forward in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.